Hello, welcome to episode 6 of the Big Footy Tiger Cast after yet another loss. I'm not really keen to keep getting used to this, but I think we could be in for some more hurt along the way given our outs, but that's alright, we'll soldier on. Uh, tonight we've got an extended lineup due to some poor planning by myself, uh, so I just thought, oh well, we'll combine everyone instead of having the usual two guests, we'll have three and make it a bigger cast, which should be good. First off, Rodney Dangerfield, welcome back to the show, mate. G'day, Michael, how are you, mate? Good. It's been a long, been a long time since you've been on the show, and you obviously hosted it as well for a period of time while I was away. Yeah, no, it had been a long while, but it's good. You've had so many different guests on; it's, it keeps it interesting. Absolutely. All right. Uh, our second guest is also a long-time friend of the show, making another appearance. Elton John's wig. Welcome to the show, mate. Hey, Michael's. Uh, good to be back. Absolutely. So you were the one I accidentally shafted with my poor scheduling, having it written down on one bit of paper and not the other. So I do apologise about that, but we got you on and it should be a cracker. I've noticed you're on the, the Reds already, so I'm sure we're in for an interesting night. Yeah, I'm. Uh, look, I'm very used to being forgotten, so a situation normal. <laughs> and finally, we've got our resident Port Adelaide guest who helps us out every time we play the power. Noobs all, welcome to the show, mate. Sorry, who was that last guy? Elton John's big, just some guy. He just, I don't know, he keeps springing up on the boards. I don't know what the go is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, thanks for having me again. Looking forward to it. No worries. No worries at all. And I think you're uh, on the beer of some kind. What did you have there in the photo you sent through? Uh, the Single Fin Summer Ale from Gage Roads over here in uh, WA. Good drive. Okay. Very nice. So Rodney and I are the only ones who will be not drinking tonight as Rodney's at work and I'm... Got a seven-month-old, so I've kind of got an obligation to not drink around him when I'm holding him. But anyway, um, interesting round of football for both of our teams. Both had some pretty annoying losses, really. Games we would have both expected to compete a lot better in. But before we get to the reviews, I want to do the three things we learnt from round three. And there's been a lot of talking points so far. So there is a, a small chance we might double up, but that's okay. Uh, Rodney, do you want to go first? What are the three things you learnt from round three? Well, one of the things I've learned is I don't think the game is any better, probably worse at this point for all the bullshit that's happened with all the changes of rules and stuff like that. So it's not doing a lot for me. Secondly, uh, Lockie Neal's got some sort of contagious disease where no one goes near him. He'd be on nine Brownlow votes. I reckon he's going to break the record with about 45 this year and win the Brownlow. And thirdly... I think that the Tigers um, are going to be in for a long seven, eight weeks. I could see us being, you know, three, seven and something like that. And then from there, um, it's going to be interesting. So did learn a lot of good stuff through that way. I think they're all fair calls. Lockie Neal's having a ripper season as well. I wouldn't be shocked if you're on the money there with the amount of votes he's on so far. Uh, Noobs, what about you, mate? What are the three things you learnt from round three? Uh, West Coast, uh, every chance going back-to-back. Just the way they were able to control the game against Collingwood, particularly in the last quarter, um, and the way they dominated their much-vaunted midfield. um, I think that they are definitely the team to beat. Um, Brisbane are a fair chance of going deep. It's the first time I've watched them properly in a couple of years, and just their ball movement, um, and the way they set up behind the ball is pretty scary. Um, so I've, I reckon they're going deep this year, and within the next three years, they're going to look like a real good chance of winning a flag. Uh, and the last one is the umpires are more confused than ever. I think that's a good call, and no doubt we'll touch on bits and pieces of that as we go through the show. And Elton John's wig, what are your three things that you learnt from round three? Yeah, I think my uh, first point ties in with Noob's last. Uh, the umpiring interpretations, the sliding rule, just dead set. It just it's doing everyone's head in. Uh, point two, Tex is really oh, Tex is really struggling. Um, he's still smart enough to get himself into good positions and that when he's got control of the situation. But when he's following someone else or when he's beaten, he has to defend his movements. Deplorable. And um, on singling players out, oh, Petrarca is. Just such a prick tease. He's fast becoming a built like Tarzan, plays like Jane Footballer. He gives you five minutes here and there, but he should be obliterating games by now. And I want him to be good, but 
Oh, it is. He frustrates me. Yeah, they're all fair calls. And my three, uh, my first one ties into kind of your one there, Elton John. Uh, Melbourne are mentally shot from the prelim final last year against the Eagles. I think that's done them a lot of damage because they are a shadow of their former self. Um, Maybe they'll turn it around, but the first three games, they just haven't looked likely. Um, My second one is I think a lot of clubs are going to start to regret not taking the punt on Sydney Stack. We obviously got him for free after being touted a top 20 pick, um, basically because he missed a couple of sessions and and I know that's frowned upon, but uh, there weren't there weren't any major discretions, and he had a super game on the weekend, which we'll talk about shortly. And my third one is, after a few years of having a pretty good injury run, the injury karma bus has firmly hit us right between the eyes, uh, with some big names out. And look, I know it sucks now, but we have had a pretty good run with injuries over the last few years, uh, so it was bound to catch up to us eventually, and we just have to fight our way through it. And it's going to be interesting to see who stands up. And with that, we'll move on to the review of the round three games. We'll start with the Tigers first. So GWS 19-11-125 defeated Richmond 10-16-76 by 49 points. Uh, Rodney, I'll start with you first. What were your thoughts on the game and your best and worst players? We've got someone who's popped on a webcam. Just I know it's this is an audio medium and you guys can't see it, but uh, okay. So yeah, uh, Rodney, what were, your, what were your thoughts on the uh, game against the Giants? I think he might be indisposed at the moment, Michaels. Okay, he's gone. All right, Alton, what were your thoughts on the game? <laughs> oh look, I <clears throat> I actually think. We were okay. We weren't great, but we were okay. The scoreline probably doesn't show it, but we lost short five minutes in, and I thought, at least in the first half, and you know, hanging on to three quarter time, our pressure was okay, and you know, there was a lot of passengers, but I think it was a better effort than the previous week. Um, it just got, and then Cotchen went off at the start of the last quarter, and we just fell to bits and. You know, instead of looking like losing by 20 points, we lost by near 50. But as you said before, the uh, injury karma bus, it just uh, it makes it really hard. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought think... we played okay in the first couple of quarters. We Once again, our conversion when having shots for goal let us down. We probably had the chance to put some scoreboard pressure on them, but didn't take our opportunities. Um, I thought Rioli was good in the first half after a bit of a down game last week. Thought he added a bit of a bit of spark, um, but yeah, the, losing short early on that was a pretty nasty injury. Um, and then Koch obviously didn't play the whole last quarter, so they were probably bound to overrun us realistically. Um, but it was kind of disappointing that we it feels like we didn't fly the flag a lot in the last quarter. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think so, and I think it might you know it wasn't a case where you know you talk about Melbourne being mentally shot uh, mentally. Like being that two down, did we just maybe realise that we couldn't win and that just takes your performance off by a couple of percent and all of a sudden it goes to shit? Possibly. And uh, I suppose the the shining light from us from that game was obviously the performance of Sydney Stack on debut. 17 disposals, 8 marks, 3 tackles and a goal. How do you see his performance? I think... um, the thing, apart from his first kick, which obviously went out on the full, he looks really composed for someone who hasn't played at the level. And he still has got a youth's body, but the physicality doesn't look like it's going to be an issue for him either. Like, he got hit pretty decently by Mumford off the ball and he bounced straight back up and was looking to get to the next contest. So it looks like, unlike some players in our team, mentally he's in the right spot. We know that Skills-wise, he's going to be fine. So as long as he's keeping his head in the right spot, I, th- I think he's got a really bright future. And it, as you say, it was one of the shining lights in the game. Absolutely. Uh, Rodney, have we got you back yet? Are you there? Yeah, mate. Sorry about that. No, that's right. No dramas. What was your thoughts on the game against yeah. the Giants? Oh, similar to what you guys are saying. I mean, it's, it's pretty disappointing. I, I mean, I wasn't expecting much. But when you start the game, you're not too bad of anything. Oh, maybe... Maybe he might be able to pull out a good performance today, but I wasn't totally surprised. Our defence is really coming under the pump 
due to the like midfield pressure, no rants. Um, Asprey must be hating it at the moment. He's getting slaughtered, um, and there was no Grimes, obviously. But I agree with Sydney Stack. SS Jumbo, I nicknamed him myself the other day. I was pretty happy with that. <laughs> but um, he, I heard Peter Simmons on the radio the day before before he debuted saying it's the toughest kid he's ever coached, hardest, toughest, and this, so I watched for that and. Geez, that's shot out straight away. He's got some real shit in him, so I liked it. Now, Noobs, being from WA, you probably would have been more prone to hear about Sydney Stack in the media more than we have. Has there been much talk about him over there? Um, the most talk there was was immediately after the draft when he missed out. Um, I did catch a fair bit of his footy. Um, a good mate of mine is involved with the Perth Football Club, um, so I did see a bit of him, and... You guys got him in an absolute steal. Um, I was shocked when he didn't go in the main draft. I thought he was probably top three in WA for pure talent. Um, And it was just clubs uh, not willing to take the risk. And you guys did. Um, And I think it really is paying off in spades. Yeah, I mean, it's only been one game granted, but yeah, it's probably one of the best Richmond debuts we've seen for a while. And I, I don't want to compare him to Dean Polo because we all know how that ended but he had a, had a pretty good debut but yeah it, it's been it was a pretty good pretty good effort I think he actually yeah, I, is I the mean, second time I in mean, history I'll seeing... oh, go on no here you go it's all good. I was going to say I think it's the second time in history a first gamer has featured in the coaches votes um, which is a pretty good effort as well yeah absolutely I, th- I think just watching him live at waffle level last year he's just one of those pl- He's just one of those players where you can you can just tell that he's going to adapt to the higher level and really thrive. So um, I was shocked when he didn't get picked up, and I think you guys did really well. Absolutely. I remember the last time someone I remember the last time someone from WA had questions about their attitude, and, and Richmond passed on him, and, and he turned out all right. So uh, maybe this time taking the risk might pay off. Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, that worked out well, that one. Yeah, that was, thanks for bringing that one up. <laughs> and uh, news, the Port Power Boys, your mob played Brisbane. Uh, Brisbane 16-11-107, defeated Port 13-12-90 by 17 points. Uh, and like a few of us kind of alluded to in the three things we learnt, the Lions look like they're the real deal this year, which has probably been a long time coming. Uh, what did you make of your game? Um, I think the main thing to come out of our game is it's just a continuation a very concerning uh, pattern with Ken Hinckley's coaching where we don't win close games. Um, and I hate to use this word, but we tend to choke. Um, I can think of two very significant West Coast games in recent memory. Um, we started slow. Second quarter, third quarter, we were definitely the better team. And, you know, you're up by three kicks with a decent amount of time left and lose by that amount. Um yeah, pretty disappointing. That's taking nothing away from Brisbane, who um, played a good game of footy and came at us hard, but that's just another in a long line of games under Hinkley where it's winnable and we were, you know, we had the game by the scuff of the neck and uh, let it go. Your young players, though, are doing very well. Connor Rosey kicked five goals and Butters and Dersma are, are playing pretty consistent good football. Yeah, um, it, it's a massive step in the right direction for us, particularly because um, Ken Hinckley, as a coach in general, hasn't really backed in the youngsters yet. So this is the first time we've really seen him go uh, down that path. Um, they are definitely um, really, really impressing us. And I think the main thing that showed from the Brisbane game was it was the same old names that let us down late in the game. Uh, Westoff Wines, the two greys, but the young kids really stood up, which I think is something to really look forward to in the future. And how's the how's the newcomers in Burton and Lysette fitting in? Oh, Lysette's been huge. I'd go as far to say uh, he's been the form ruckman of the first three rounds. Um, he's just we've got him in his prime, and he's a competitive beast, and he's almost like an extra midfielder at times. The way that he moves, um, and Burton. I didn't know what to expect because I don't watch a whole lot of Hawks footy, but um, just how much of a smooth mover he is off the back flank and the decisions that he makes, um, very impressive young footballer. And given that you obviously lost Wingard for him, um, how does that sit with you? Were you comfortable with that trade? Well, it's not just Burton. We also gained Dersma and um, I'm forgetting the other piece, but we've got three pieces back. So we've got Dersma, Burton and a third. 
Um, and I'm okay with it. I think that based off the noises that are coming out of the club, both Wingard and Polek um, featured pretty lowly in the player reviews from the players themselves in terms of their attitude and investment in the club. Um, I think it was time for a fresh start because our list was stagnating a bit. Um, and I think we we deliberately chose this draft as one we could back ourselves in. Um, and so far it seems to be paying off. Now, guys, before we um, get stuck into a Tiger Cast takedown, I want to talk about this one separately, even though I might touch on it in my one. The Dustin Martin suspension, it's been obviously the hot topic for the last few days. Um, straight off the top, I want to say, and I'm pretty sure I speak for most Richmond people when I say this, that he 100% deserved to get a suspension because we don't want to see that kind of act happening in the game. So there's no issue there. Um, my big issue, and I suppose a lot of people's issue, is the precedent that was set earlier with the Tom Mitchell one, even Dylan Grimes, for example. He only got a week, but according to the rules, he should have got two. Um, there's been a lot of miscommunication, and it's hard to understand and follow how they come to the grade and they come to. Uh, Rodney, what was your take on the whole situation? Uh, the, I just got really annoyed by the the circus that's not just this one, but like you said, the Grimes got a week. It should have been the same. Mason Cox last week was never, ever going to get rubbed out, but let's put the big tribunal show on. Fantastic. Dustin Martin, two weeks, was never going to stay at two. It was always going to be one. It's so obvious what they're doing. Um, it's all about rate on how much money. They probably make money, don't they, with the, the appeal process. And a bit of exposure. Let's get it on TV. Let's talk about it the next day. Absolute bullshit. The whole thing, and um, I agree. Dustin Martin get a week. I mean, I mean, I know he didn't hurt Kenners at all, but it doesn't matter. It was a stupid thing to do, and um, yeah, he's, he needs to pull his head in, Dusty. But there was no way it would hurt two weeks. And Elton John, what about you, mate? What was your take on the week and how it all played out? I'm glad uh, Rodney just said that Dusty needs to pull his head in big time. He he's so distracted at the moment, easily. Um, and they did, uh, DeBoer did to Dusty what um, what happened to Gorn a couple of weeks ago. He just, he was he was held for four times in the first 10 seconds. I watched the start of the game again this afternoon. Now, the umpires can pull it up, but once DeBoer gets away with it and knows the boundaries, Dusty's got to deal with it. Um, as far as the suspension goes, a week every time. It just frustrates me that Liam Jones, who gets rewalt hard enough that he can't get up for 20 seconds, and, you know, the Mitchell one that you spoke about, that there's zero consistency. And I've got a theory that, and I don't think I'd be alone in this, that um, this is not all Michael Christian. He, he gets word from above that needs to be this much, that needs to be this much, and he gets trotted out to give these explanations, and you can see he doesn't believe what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah, that might not be a bad point. And like I said, I just want to reiterate to any non-Richmond people who might listen that yeah, we all agree that he needs to get a week, but I think everyone football-wide would accept that there's a lot of inconsistency issues at the MRO, um, and I'll touch on one in my takedown. But uh, Noobs, from a, a non-Tiger perspective, what did you make of the proceedings and how it all unfolded um i think the main thing that you guys touched on earlier is dusty just seems like not himself so far this season um i know that he came out early in the year and said that his mental health had been infected with the expectations upon him as a footballer um and i think that that hit alongside uh the sledge he gave mumford which was you know very obvious um, I think it just shows a man under pressure. Um, I think as a isolated charge, um, we were chatting earlier. Um, I was chatting earlier with the most handsome and uh, well-reasoned Richmond board poster that exists, Braj. Big shout out. Um, <laughs> um, I think reasonably you could have expected two weeks for that um, just based upon how it looked, and I think that's the key point. The AFL is putting way too much of this in terms of how it makes the game look as opposed to what the actual charge is, and I very much agree with Elton in that Michael Christensen is a scapegoat for this. He's told what to say, um, and he's 
you know, he's put himself in a position where he probably makes a fair bit of money just being the AFL mouthpiece. So um, who knows what you're going to get week to week, I guess. Spin the wheel, don't they? As a lot of us have seen over the years. All right, we'll get stuck into the Tiger Cast Takedown. For those who are new listening to the show, the Tiger Cast Takedown is pretty simple. Each guest who wants to participate, it's not compulsory, has the fl- has the floor for two minutes to take aim at anyone or anything they wish to have a crack at virtually. They obviously have a bit of a gripe and they want to air it. This is the time to do it. So Elton John's wig, you can kick things off. Um, I'll get my stopwatch up. What topic are you going with, first of all? Uh, I'm going with the AFL as a body. As a body. All right. No dramas. Your two minutes starts now. Now, I'm not saying that the umpiring or the games are rigged when I make this statement. So let's just get that out of the way for a start. But as an organisation, how bloody corrupt is the AFL? How much do they sweep under the carpet? How much do they cover up? It's just spin, spin, spin. I swear that Gillen did his training at FIFA or the IOC. I really do. We had the information come out, which we all knew last week, where Melbourne were done for tanking. And Gillen at the time's going, oh, how do you even define tanking? And there's only one statement from Chris Connolly that, you know, raised concerns in a meeting. Well, the interviews have shown that eight people have basically admitted that the club chucked it in for the whole bloody year. You've got the Essendon saga where every man and his dog knows that Gomez called David Evans the night before and encouraged him to self-report because it would make it better for the AFL. It's all about protecting their income, their bloody TV rights, all that sort of shit, and it drives me up the frickin' wall because they all... We are not... We, are, we as a supporter base, are not dumb. We don't buy it. You're bloody corrupt right down... To the base of what you think, I just wish they'd just come out and admit when they stuff up sometimes. It shits me. Fair enough. There we go. A minute 40. Very good. That all very valid points. And um, Yeah, there's they do have a lot of explaining to do in some cases, but we'll, we'll never see the light of day, I suppose. And that ties into your sweeping under the carpet point. Uh, Rodney, don't you sure Captain Blood will really appreciate that statement. I think he would. Absolutely. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield, you're up next. What's your topic at hand? Well, I'm Gerald Waitley. He's Mark Robinson. It's footy from all angles. This is AFL 360. That's very good. And I'm good. a wanker. <laughs> well, he, he has a dead set wanker. I used to watch AFL 360 with, like we all did when I started. Great show. He was fantastic, Gerald. I looked forward to him having his own show, and it was only on one night a week. On a Wednesday, and the way they dissected the game and had different bits of commentary, and they had Mark McCool, David King, it was fantastic. And then they went to five days a week, and I thought, this will be interesting. And then he started licking himself, and uh, he's got very good at licking himself, almost that he's like a cat, Jared. It's quite fitting that he barracks for them. But it's very obvious to me, and Noobs had touched on a point before with Michael Christian. You can't tell me Jared Waitley's not getting paid by the AFL. You could see it last year when he was going on about the state of the game and how important it was. That's fantastic, Jared. He just kept crapping on about it. He won't listen to anything. And then last night, when Robbo was trying to make the argument, why has Dustin Martin got one and two when he should be getting one? How can they use this flimsy language like, you know, it could have been there was... Uh, what was the word they said, potential to cause injury and all this sort of crap. He is a mouthpiece for the AFL. I've got absolutely no doubt about it. Now he's found himself on the rules committee. Maybe that's his payment. I don't know. Maybe he earned that last year with the bullshit that he went on with. But I've absolutely had a gut full of Jared Waitley and his sanctimonious bullshit on television and radio. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's very good. Next... <laughs> Next time we get you on, I'm requesting you do the entire episode in the Waitley voice, just just to see how good, how good it lasts. Hey, Mike, Michaels, any chance of getting Jared on as a guest, just to pair him up with uh, Rodney? Oh, that'd be good, a side-by-side, and we'll see if anyone can tell the difference. 
we'll put it out there. We'll, we'll throw the line out and see what we get back. No, I think they're valid points. I think a lot of people are sharing your thoughts, non like all AFL fans, that um, he was a very strong pusher for these new rules to come in and... and yeah, very much a bit of a mouthpiece by the look of it. But uh, I don't watch 360 now personally. I kind of had enough of that a little while ago. But um, it used to be good content. But uh, he's kind of lost his way a little bit. But that's all right. That's what he wants to do. Uh, Neebs, you're up next. Your topic, I think, kind of ties in a little bit to what Rodney was doing, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Mine is uh, Fox Sports with this Game of Thrones theme round. Um I guess the main thing is this really does show where the AFL money comes from. Um, I am pretty pretty invested in an amateur football club, and if you'd come to us and said, we want to have a Game of Thrones-themed round for your footy club, that person would be laughed out the door, beaten up in the car park, all kinds of stuff. Um, I think it just goes to show that it isn't about what is best for the game anymore. All the AFL really cares about is those sponsorship dollars and the fact that Fox Sports will trump up X amount of dollars because Foxtel has the rights to Game of Thrones. It's just an extension of their whole marketing campaign for that TV show. And honestly, I think it is pretty disgusting that the AFL will bend down on one knee because of the money and say that we will advertise Game of Thrones as a sporting code. It's not footy anymore. It's one big business, and it is so disappointing. And I think the biggest thing for me is I know that the players are tied in by their contracts. I know that players probably don't have much of a choice in this matter. But how embarrassed must they be to get on in front of a camera and talk about their favorite Game of Thrones character for a dedicated Game of Thrones round? Surely they have a much better thing to be thinking about midweek leading up to a game than who their favourite television camera is. It's an absolute disgrace, mate. Yeah, I think that's fairly well summed up. To, to be honest, I'm not really across the what's happening with this Game of Thrones round, but yeah, that sounds like the, the biggest marketing campaign of all time, surely. It's it's Marvel, and that tied in with Marvel Stadium. What place does that have in our sporting code? Yeah. And... Told you, mate, they're corrupt. Dollars. It's, it's embarrassing. It's... Honestly, I'd rather, it's making me want to go and watch waffle footy over AFL footy. Which is scary. And I suppose to an extension of that, some people have floated the idea around uh, that the 666 might have been bought in partially because if it if it creates more goals, that's more ads, which equals more money. Um, and there, there might be a small amount of truth, there might be zero truth to it, but it... You know, it's kind of where they smoke, there's fire, I guess. They've got form in this part of the game, don't they, with trying to just leverage as much money as possible off people. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and I'll finish off. My one probably won't go for too long. It'll be short and sharp. Uh, mine, I'm taking aim at the MRO, not at the Dusty Martin thing. We'll put that to one side. But the one I want to talk about is, it came up on my face, or my Twitter feed, sorry, today, from the Fremantle Football Club, that Jesse Hogan copped a $2,000 fine for what can only be described as a genuine one-on-one contest on the wing with Nathan Brown, and it's an absolute disgrace. If you haven't seen the footage, go onto their Twitter feed. You can even look at our on the Big Footy Tiger Cast Twitter feed, because I, I shared it. They're both essentially chasing the ball on the wing. Hogan moves into him with a bit of a bump as they both arrived to the footy to get better position. He actually lost the contest. Uh, Brown got it and handballed it away. And the MRO have come out and said that he gets a $3,000 fine reduced to two grand for misconduct. Um, I just don't understand where our game's heading if you can't have a genuine one-on-one contest on the wing. There was no malice. There was no intent to hurt. It was simply a body positioning manoeuvre to get to get the ball, which is what our game's all about. I mean, as a junior, you're taught to get the ball first, to get better body position, um, and you try and bring that through all the way up into senior football and into the AFL, and now people are getting fined for it. It just defies belief that that was even looked at. Um, I've watched it about 50 or 60 times, and I still can't tell what the issue is, and there's a lot of general AFL fans that aren't Fremantle supporters saying the same thing, so... If you haven't seen the footage yet, do yourself a favour and go and look at it, and you'll just see how disgraceful of a decision that was from the MRO. 100%, Michael. That was actually a worse decision than the dusty two weeks. Yeah, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I actually commented on it saying, are you sure you've uploaded the right video? There must be a bit of footage missing from this. 
Um, I don't know if you guys have covered this in a previous podcast, but did you have any thoughts on... I had this exact same rant in my head um, when Lysett got the free kick paid against him for gently touching someone in the back pre-ruck contest. Yeah, I know the one you mean. I see five or six a week. The game's stuffed, I'm telling you. I didn't see the incidents. I won't make a comment, but... uh, Yeah, it was only if you'd seen it, but it, it was literally... The Ruckman was backing into him. He just stood his ground and the Ruckman slowly hit him like walked into him and it was a free kick. It's getting out of control. Yeah. They've got a... They've well, got you've a got four grown men here and we're all saying the game's going to shit. We've all been watching the game for 20-odd years or whatever. Look, we can't all be wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no. but the AFL doesn't listen to the average punter anymore. They don't no, care about right. the average feet, punter anymore. Really? got to vote with your feet and your remote controls and that's what it's going to take. And start, yeah, actually, about the start putting I Games of Thrones on, everyone. Speaking of, uh, are you guys all boycotting the uh, Sydney game? <laughs> oh, Mike probably Very doesn't know good. what you're talking about. No, no I don't, it's a sweet <laughs> FA thing. That oh, I've, you've, I've got just... it, you've got it. Well, when you're modding, no. go to, uh, to uh, TIA's little thread. That he made last night, and have a look what it turned into. It was uh, I've briefly, amazing. I've, I've briefly read it's it, and I, chose, <laughs> and I chose not to read yeah. the rest of it. Michael, if, if, if you're if you're a Marvel Stadium against Sydney, you're a disgrace to the Richmond Football Club. That's all I'm saying. Is that what he's okay? Um, all right, I'll go back and read that. Join us, tonight. vegans. We're not going. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll have to take a read of that just for some my own amusement. All right, well, we better talk about the big game coming up this week, Richmond versus Port Adelaide. It's turned into a genuine must-win for both teams, I think it's fair to say. Um, we haven't got a great record playing away as of late, and obviously with our injury concerns, it's not going to help our cause. Uh, but Rodney, what's your thoughts on the game, and how are we going to get over the line this week? Well, well my honest thoughts are there is no way we can win the game. Let's be quite upfront about that. Um, I'm looking forward to it because I do... I do love it when new players have to have opportunities to come in and players that are in, like a Markov and thing, they're going to get an extended run of it. And other guys within the team are going to have to take more prominent roles. So that's exciting. Hopefully we get to see uh, Jacob Homicide Townsend come in. That would be a little bit of excitement for me. But I don't think we can win. But we need to play good, solid Richmond brand for four quarters you know, I'm going to say Richmond brand. Our, our defensive tackling and all that has been it's been terrible. I, I, I cannot see us winning the game, but it's important that we we don't fall off the cliff because it's a big it's a big eight to ten weeks we've got coming up where we're really going to have to hang in tough. And it's not all about winning games at the moment. It's about it's about keeping the structure together whilst losing games that are really hard to win, especially with the guys we got out and. So you can launch at it at the second half of the season. Do you share similar thoughts there, Elton John, or do you give us a chance to get over the line? Um, I'd love to say that I could see us winning the game, but I, I'm with Rodney. I don't think we can. Um, I also agree with Rodney. I like watching the kids. I, it's a great opportunity for young blokes to get game time where they wouldn't get it if the full squad was available. I'm expecting at least another debutante this week, and I bloody really want it to be Ross. I've heard um, an inside word that he is playing. Yeah. Oh, great. Great. Um, I just think I just think with, with the, the group of players out and then with one particular factor with Port... Uh, we'll give them first use. So I just reckon it'd be just incredibly hard to win. Um, well, look, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy it. I'm gonna watch it. Um, I won't break any televisions, but um, just show some bloody fight. That's all I want. Yeah, it's it's all about the effort. I think our effort was improved last week against the Giants, but it needs to go to another level against Port if we're any chance of winning. Uh, I think ultimately we have to make the most of our chances. If we get shots on goal, we have to we have to convert it. Rodney's being caught up to work by the sounds of it. No, it's not me. Not you? It wasn't my truck. Not my oh. truck. 
Um, yeah, we just have to make sure we convert when we get a chance. I mean, Tom Lynch has been very good in front of goal the first three rounds, but everyone else around him has been a bit wayward. So if we can straighten up our conversion rate and make the most of our chances, we might be half a chance, but I feel like we're going to get bullied around the contest, which Port seem to do to us a lot anyway, even when we have a full side. Uh, so Nooms, you've, you've undoubtedly got the upper hand um, even before the bounce based on lineups alone. But what are you expecting to come from this game from from the two teams? Um, I think around the contest isn't a huge factor in beating Port Adelaide. Um, and I think from what I've read of the Richmond board this week and what you guys have said, um, and this is very much an outsider's perspective in terms of how you guys play the game, I think your outs aren't actually as important as what they seem on paper. Um your whole game plan is built around pressure at the contest and just moving the board ball forward. And this is going to be very controversial, and I expect to probably cop a lot of heat for this on the Richmond board, but I think that someone like Shane Edwards would be a bigger out than Trent Cochin um, because I think he summarises how you play in terms of that pressure and that getting the ball forward and at all costs just you know getting in and under. Um, and secondary to that, at the contest isn't a big deal against Port Adelaide. The way to beat Port Adelaide is fast rebound footy. So I don't know if Dimmer listens to this, so please ignore this, Dimmer. Number one listener. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> if the key to beating Port is get the footy moving quickly down the ground and expose our defence, which any team is capable of on their day. Um, and I think that we've proven time after time that in clutch games we fall a bit short. Um, so I and most Port fans are a, a bit nervous about this week. Yeah, it's interesting. and I I sort of agree with your point, to be honest. I mean, Dustin Martin, as much as we all love him, let, being brutally honest, his first three games have been pretty average. He hasn't really offered anything offensively, and defensively hasn't offered much either. Um, he's effectively just drawn a man to him, and, and that's kind of been about it. So... Getting someone else in, we may get, we may see a better overall output in that sense. Um, Edwards probably is a bit, is pretty vital to the team, but I think if the guys coming into the team can replicate and just apply that pressure that everyone else can do, and if everyone buys into it, it, it could cause some issues. But if it comes down to a skilled shootout, I think we could be in a bit of trouble. Yeah, and I, I think our. I think our team's in a little bit of a um, a little bit of an interesting period with wines coming back in as well, particularly our midfield because our midfield was functioning beautifully the first couple of weeks um, around the contest, and um, we just looked a bit out of sorts last weekend. And it, it, the only common denominator is we're a bit wine centric, particularly now that he's a captain. Um, someone like Drew, who was huge, um, struggled a bit for input, but maybe that's just teething problems. And Rodney, I would what hate about to be playing Richmond this week? I say everything I said. I would hate to be playing this this week because you know, like, it sort of looks like what have we got to lose? You know what I mean? Yeah, so. and I think that sums up your whole 2017 season. Sorry, 18, 18. No, 17, yeah. 17. Yeah. Oh, fucking nice. I was talking to a Port supporter at work today, and um. I said, oh, you must be looking forward to the game. He said, oh, no, I'm pretty nervous. Um, he's like, oh, we've got some pretty big outs. Because he reckons that Robbie Gray might be out. Um, and Rockcliffe, does that uh, sound about right? Is that a, a I don't place? know. I don't know where Gray's coming from. Rockcliffe had a concussion last weekend, but I, there's no noises coming out of the club that either of them would be missing. Yeah. I'm actually... I, th- I think the big thing is we're kind of expecting us to go in unchanged and our structure's pretty uh, out of whack at the moment. So, yeah. yeah Rockcliffe was a big out for you last week. He's left the game reasonably yeah. early, so that, that actually made yeah. quite a difference. Yeah, and he's he's been our workhorse in terms of um, getting around the ground and being an option at every contest. He and Boke have been huge. Um, uh, I saw our game live first week against... Uh, we play around one. Melbourne, uh, Melbourne at the G, yeah. and um, the Amet- Rockliffe's work rate was insane. Yeah, well, he cost me. Uh, I lost Super Coach by one point this week, oh, and it's his fault. 
the big issues. I will send him a please explain, uh, and we'll get that sorted for you next week. Excellent. Uh, but Elton, our our ruck department's been something that's been a big talking point, and we obviously brought back Noel Bolter last week, who gave Nank a bit of a chop out. When you're coming up against Ryder and Lysett, um we're obviously must be expecting Bolter to stay in to give Nank that chop out. Yeah, 100%. And that was my first four, four words I wrote was ruck, dash, port to dominate. Um, Lysett has been superb. I think Noob said he was, you know, like maybe the informed rucker, and he's probably bloody right. He's been better than Ryder, in my opinion. And that that is why I think, you know, first hands to port to the ball uh, is what gives them the edge. Um you know, we're going to talk later on about how we can win, and I think there is a way that if it's a miracle, we can, but it certainly won't be through the ruck. And, Roddy, we've got a couple of plays coming back in this week. Obviously, Dylan Grimes will slot straight back into defence, uh, but Josh Caddy is going to be a probable inclusion. Do you see him taking on more of a midfield role this week with the outs that we've got? I don't this week. Uh, Josh, I, I envisage... Uh, I'm familiar with his brother, very similar builds and players, and I can see being out for a long period of time. I don't think he'll hit the ground running. I can't see him playing any on, barely any on ball time, to be honest. I think it'll take three or four weeks for him to really find his mojo, and uh, I can't see him covering too much ground uh, early days. So I think we might have to look elsewhere for that. I think he'll spend most time forward. And as I said before, I've been advised that um, Jack Ross will likely make his debut for us this week, which I think is a great sign for him. He played in the VFL last week and had, I think, 11 tackles, and he dominated the last quarter to really help the team get over the line. He looks really good, doesn't he? Yeah, he just seems like a a ready-made and solid-built player. Um, I think the more exposure we can get for him, the better. Give him a block of five or six games and see how he goes. Give him that confidence. Um, do you reckon, would you just track him straight in the deep end, Elton John, straight in the guts? Yep. I reckon he's built for it. I watched him at Shepparton. Uh, that's, you know, my area. Uh, bloody, he stood out that day. Um, I watched a good portion of the VFL last week. He thrives on the contest. What we're lacking is contest. And, I mean, I disagree with News a bit about Cochin not being as big an out as what an Edwards would be. But with Dusty out, this bloke defensively will give us 10 times more than what Dusty has. So I'm really, really looking forward to him playing, and I want him playing in the guts. And Noobs, you are talking about your defence before being a, maybe a potential weak point on a counter-attack. Obviously, Tom Lynch has been... I think he's kicked three goals each of the three games so far. Who do you see as the likely matchup for big Tom Lynch? Uh, the thing about a defense is it sort of rotates a fair bit. Um, we press pretty high up the ground, and then it becomes a matter of who's closest to the the forward at hand. Um, I think if you were going for one matchup for the day, it would probably be Tom Cleary. Um, he's our form defender, and he's very much underrated, I think, amongst the wider AFL uh, community. Um, but it, contest to contest is going to change just because of the way that our uh, back six uh, sets up and rotates. And you mentioned uh, Travis Boak before. He had 35 touches last week and two goals. Do you think his form spike is sort of coinciding with um, giving up the captaincy? Like he's just allowed to play footy now? No, nah, it's actually he's averaging over 30 possessions all three games to start the year he's had over 30 um and it's not so much to captaincy because um i genuinely think he is still the best leader on our list it's because the last three years we've played him as a forward flanker um and this year we've released him back into the midfield and lo and behold he's playing good footy so i think a lot of that has to do with his role in the team and so you mentioned before you reckon that you're going to go in unchanged. Um, if hypothetically Rockcliffe was to miss from concussion, who do you think is the best chance to come in? Um, hypothetically unchanged wasn't my wish list. I think that we brought in, we dropped Todd Marshall and brought in Sam Gray in our forward line, which just did not work because then Westhoff becomes the key target and Westhoff plays his best footy when he's not that. So I'm really hoping that we bring back... Marshall will play someone like Laddams or um, 
uh, Laddams or I forget the other Ruckman's name. Um, Frampton, there we go, sorry. Um, just not so much for their individual performance, but just to take the heat off Westhoff a bit and give us a bit of structure up forward. Um, if Rockcliffe was to miss, I'd imagine Jack Trengove is pretty hard, pretty hard to go past. Um, he played a huge game in the Sandful last weekend, um, and I'd really like – I actually had him ahead of Sam Gray uh, coming into the side last weekend, so um, that would be my change. And Elton John, what other changes do you think we're going to have? Obviously, Grimes will come in, um, Caddy, and it sounds like Jack Ross. Who else is in line for a call-up, do you reckon? Um, I don't know. I do have one question, though. Is Will Rioli play? He no, seemed to, to yeah, he seemed to allude to the fact he was fine. He just had sore ribs, but by God, that was a big hit, and I thought he wasn't going to get back up for a, quite a while. But yeah, that, that was mammoth. Yeah, um, no, I, I, if if I was selecting the team, there'd be more than three changes, but um, I'm not. So I would think, in terms of stability, that that would they wouldn't want to make too many more. Um, and I think I agree with Rodney. I think Caddy mainly forward uh, is will probably be, but uh, I can't. I can't see many more changes than three for stability I'd reasons. I want to see Minaju get a run. To be honest, it goes to what Noobs are saying: how Port struggle with teams running and carrying the ball. And he played a really good game against them. I think it was a couple of years ago at that ground. And he just ran right over the top of them in the second half. And that's the sort of player we need at the moment, I think, as well. But what scares me is what Noobs was bringing all these bloody tall blokes. That's what's killed us this year. I can see it happening again. Yeah. We're, we're yeah, but I, w- I wouldn't stress, I, I honestly wouldn't stress too much because Hinkley's form is picking Sam Gray as a key forward. <laughs> yeah, I've got a real sense here that he doesn't like Hinkley just quietly. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, the the other potential changes Rodney I think I'm starting to be concerned about having Castagna and Butler in the same team I know they were a big part of the reason why we got over the line in 2017 I accept that but both their form to date has been pretty bad to be blunt Um, I'm not sure if we can carry both of them is Bolton I mean Bolton's had been having some good games in the VFL do you reckon we maybe try him for one of them well, I, I would, and I, and I don't know. A lot of us love Jacob Townsend, but I'd bloody bring him in as well. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Townsend. He's not as quick, but his ball use shits all over both of them because he takes his time. He's a bit composed when he gets it. Because Stanya, I love how hard and tough he is, and he's you know he's a little brute at the ball and that. But oh, my fourteen-year-old daughter's got better skills than he's got, and that's hands not of even stone. A joke. Hands of stone. <laughs> that's skills, a good call. And, oh. uh, we, we've got to forget about 2017. It was, it's gone. It was a long time ago. It was great when it worked, but it's not yes. happening that, like that anymore. So, you know. M- Michaels? Yep. Can I, can I just say, you, you, you've asked Rodney the question and about, about, about Butler and Castagna. I had four names that which, if I was selecting the team, would be out. Yep, go on. And they are Butler, Castagna... Markov because he jumps at shadows, and and Ellis because of said disposal of Castagna. Well, Ellis just kicks balloons. Um, I'd love to see Townsend in. I'd love to see Bolton in, and and they'd be the, the four that I would target if I was selecting the team. Yeah, I don't think you'd have too many people disagreeing with that. To be honest, I think that uh, the problem is is. If, are we getting like-for-likes back in to cover those positions, I suppose? So some of them might still be playing almost by default in a roundabout way, but um, I think a lot of them might be on borrowed time and they've got to pull their fingers out most definitely. Um, yeah, I, I think you'd find a lot of people would agree with that suggestion. All right, before I let you guys go, we'll get uh, a tip including margin. Rodney, I'll start with you. What's your tip and margin? Well, I... I... I think Port Adelaide, if they're kidding, if they don't win this, um, I think Port will win by about, about 26 points. All right, Elton John? Port 37. Noobs, don't be shy. 
Port by two goals. Oh, piss off. Two goals. You're having a laugh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think we'll surprise you, Michaels. He surprises by being worse. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Absolutely. It's a Port Adelaide way. Uh, I reckon I said today to someone that if Port Adelaide don't win this, they should consider folding with the amount of people we've got out I, and the if, form that we're if in. If we lose this, look at it. If we lose this, look at our board. We'll be saying the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, I reckon Port will un- unfortunately win by about 25 to 30 points. I think we're going to see a similar th- trend to last week. I think we'll be competitive for a half. But then with the, with the new guys coming in, Caddy not having match fitness, Ross being his first game, um, and whoever else comes in, I think we might just get run over at the end um, by a bigger and stronger Port Adelaide side. Um, a reminder, the game is on Saturday. It's a Twilight game, Adelaide Oval at 4.35, so make sure you tune in for that. Um, and for those going, enjoy. It's a fantastic Oval to go to. I had the displeasure of attending the apparent final we played there a few years ago. Oh, um, well, we, didn't, we, we didn't really play. We just kind of turned up just for show. Awesome. But, uh, which which way was the wind blowing, Michaels? Not sure. It wouldn't have mattered, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I don't think it would have mattered <laughs> Well, at least we'll kick the right way this week. Well, hopefully. Well, Cotchen's yeah, Cotchen Cup Cotchen's is still the Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> that, it's a positive already. But, uh, yeah, it should be an interesting game. Just make sure you all tune in. All right, thank you to Rodney Dangerfield, Elton Johnswig, and Noobsor for coming on the show, guys. Very much appreciate it. Um, sorry about the late notice and the confusion about who was coming on, but appreciate everyone's time. Uh, thank you, mate. It's great. Thanks, guys. Yeah, cheers, all. Always happy to be of course you have you when you're given bullshit two goal winning margin predictions. Noobs, come on, you're better than that. <laughs> Mate, I'm scarred. You're scarred? Okay. Yeah. Come talk to us after 37 years and we'll, then you can talk to us about scars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks heaps, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!